All right, welcome to the Lead Gen HQ podcast. I'm your host, Alex Oliveira. I'm excited to be with Talar Malakian. She is the CMO of Fonexa. Welcome to the podcast, Talar. Thank you, Alex. I'm I'm stoked to be here and chatting with you. I know we already started talking about some really, really awesome stuff. So looking forward to, you know, continuing the conversation. Now, I tend to do this with marketers that understand the business. We, in, instead of recording, we end up talking for 10, 15 minutes before the podcast. And it's like, we should have just recorded that, but it, it's recorded nevertheless. And, and our listeners are here to listen to you about everything about digital marketing, lead generation, obviously affiliate and all that you're doing with Fenexa. I'm going to allow you later on the show to talk to us about exactly what it is that Fenexa does in the industry. But uh, let's start with what you do for fun, totally unrelated to the business. So what I do for fun? Well, I've got I've got two two young ones. They're five and three. So a lot of my spare time is spent hanging out with them and and my husband. And then I also I read a lot, a lot of fiction. Uh, I've been thinking about even just starting a TikTok where I let people know what page they start getting into the book and That's just a great do idea. it. I was like, I need somebody to tell me where I get invested. So I read a lot, hang out with the kids. Those are the main things. There you go. There's nothing better than that, right? Having that balance of family and and work, because that's why we all do it, right? 100%. Yeah. All right. So tell me about, you know, conferences. I'm going to ask you this at the end of the podcast, but first and foremost, for those marketers who are interested in getting in lead generation, affiliate marketing, demand gen, like what conferences would you recommend they go to? Yeah, I'd say uh, we're just coming off a really successful affiliate summit East. Uh, We were in New York last week. And I think if you're really starting to, you know, get into affiliate marketing and understand and understand really all the facets and all the different ways that's defined too. Cause I think there's really a change in what that term means over the last you know years, especially with the advent of such accessible publisher tools for everybody. So we're mm-hmm. seeing we're seeing really this space change quite a bit as well. Um, I'd say the affiliate summits, both East and West are typically really great for us because we work with a lot of publishers. We work with a lot of affiliate networks, affiliate marketers, and then advertisers who do affiliate marketing. And so uh, those are some of the best conferences to start with if you're doing any kind of B2B marketing. So if you're on here at like me coming from a B2B marketing background, I tend to love HubSpot's inbound conference and try to make that every year, given that, given the range of sessions, just the content, the really quality content that you get as well as the workshops. So yeah, those are kind of the ones we try to keep our eyes on. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think it's, it's important to attend conferences and do what you just suggested, not only the exhibiting or networking, but more importantly, attending the sessions by all the thought leaders. There's a, we're all thought leaders in, in one way or another. It's really important to continuously educate yourself. I always tell people in this industry, especially the ones coming out of college, I go speak at different universities to uh, marketing graduates. And I say like, look, if you're going to get in this industry, you have to have a thirst for lifelong learning. Because if you don't, like a week can be like a year. And especially now with with the explosion of AI. So let's talk a little bit about AI. What are you guys doing or some of your clients doing that that, that you're finding really uh, works in the context of marketing or lead gen? 
Yeah, it's interesting. We're getting a lot of questions. Our marketing team is asking a lot of questions ourselves. And so there's a few different ways we've been getting involved in AI and really just exploring and testing, you know, kind of how we optimize what we do using AI, because that's the stage we're in. We're in this stage where we're discovering tools and we're kind of have a concentrated effort in testing them to see, you know, what is actually going to bring our marketing team the most value and how can we get from concept to campaign in less time with better quality, right? And so a lot of, and, and so it's not just on the quality on the campaigns themselves, but there are a few ways we're, we're exploring things. So I'll kind of, I'll kind of share that. I just came off of conference yesterday and this was with Google's Gen AI team and they were going through features they're about to release for marketers through their Gen AI platform. They did a live demo of how you can really start with building a campaign brief all the way to deploying your campaigns through using a Google Cloud's Gen AI platform. And you kind of, what I noticed for the first time in this demo, and I was sharing that with the team, was that typically we would see Google as disconnected products, right? And when you look at your marketing mix, sometimes it's hard to see where the threads are, right? Mm. You kind of just deploy on different channels and you measure what the return is on any one of these channels. I think with AI, we're going to see a lot of change in a few areas. It's first execution is going to get easier. We're developing content a little bit faster, a little bit more efficiently, but we're not doing all our content through AI. We don't trust the AI to have opinions or POV that we have. So mm. we get to first round, second rounds of content, but we don't get the fully developed article using, you know, tools like Jasper AI or even chat GPT. So we've got the content piece being developed at least now on our marketing team through using AI. I, I would say creative development and creative alternatives are the other use case we're seeing. So if you're a media buyer, you know, there, you can actually generate 10, 15, 20, hundreds, if you want, of more personalized ads that have a creatives at scale. So you start with your first or second graphic and you're really using AI to create all the alternatives that you can test against to personalize the specific offer, personalize the specific ad to the user that might be on the other side. I think the third use case that we're seeing, which I think will take some time to develop is actually related to the ability to have more predictive capabilities with mm. our marketing campaigns. So right now I've seen AI through a multitude of tools we've been using, and these are side tools, performance marketers we know are building, but it's really, you see your historical data and using AI to predict outcomes and whether those outcomes are because we saw X, this user is more likely to do Y, or this cohort of people is more likely to do Y. I think that's the stuff that will take some time, um, but it, you're already seeing initial use cases of data analytics and predictive capabilities kind of start to surface where we don't have like, I, I would think a strong use case yet, but I think we're starting to see that um, that develop attribution gets stronger as a result of that and then predicting outcomes becoming more methodical than I think they were in the past. So those are some of the things that, you know, we're really dabbling in. And I'm really excited for one. I think they don't, especially for the lead gen community, where you might have hundreds of 
you know, sites that you manage, you might have multiple properties, and you might be in multiple verticals, I think there's this huge ability to really optimize, especially when you're a lean team or a small business to really optimize how you generate and distribute content more effectively. That's the best use case to start with right now. Yeah, so I, I totally agree with you. I mean, more than anything, it democratizes the tools, the resources, the money that you would have to spend. So I think of a, a beginning of COVID, I brought on an intern, Megan, from one of my clients. So one of my clients, his daughter was uh, attending FSU and she was about to go into her graduate program for uh, data science. Super mm -hmm. bright, young, I mean, really bright. And I'm like, wow, sure, I'll hire her as an intern to <laughs> crunch some of the data. And all I, my, my project was very simple to Lara was, look, take these 12 industries that we work with, home services, financial, mortgage, okay, take all these industries. And I want you to analyze data coming from like five different feeds, the US census, which they have a tool called, um, it's the CBB tool. I can't remember what it stands for, but it's a great tool because it really gets into data that no one else has and it's free and most businesses aren't using it. So we use that tool. We use, of course, Facebook insights of Google trends and a few other tools. And I want you to grab all that data information and create a really cool case study of like what's happening right now in that industry as it pertains to the consumers, the brands and how they find each other. It, it took her all summer. I, I can't remember how many hundreds of hours it, it took her, but she she spent all summer doing it, finished the reports, and we sent it to the graphic designer. She created as a, a lead magnet for us. Okay, cool. Last year, we started using it with AI, and we could accomplish the same thing in a fraction of the time. So yeah. the, the yeah. point I'm making for anyone listening here and, and thinking like, well, I tried AI and it's not working. It's not, to your point, not going to do everything for you. And in most cases, you're going to, prompt it, put it in, you know, rewrite it, paraphrase it, whatever. But in this case, I think you hit it on the head with your third point, which is that 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 insights that most business owners, CEOs of even some large companies, at a moment's notice, they don't have the experience to crunch that amount of data that quickly. Now, some of the actionable insights that you may ask AI for may not be perfect, but I have found some amazing insights by just plugging in spreadsheets into GPT and then coming back and going, oh my God, they're on point because you double check, right? Yeah. And you say, that would have taken me hours. So just from a productivity right. standpoint, and you as a marketer know, because you could work 24 hours a day with Finexa to get the content out there and it's never enough, right? So I yeah. talk to me about the productivity aspect of AI in general. Yeah, I mean, I think the productivity angle is the strongest use case, you know, and, and, you know, we're talking about the marketing use cases. But I mean, if you take a step further than that, you know, there's also all the internal, you know, efficiencies that you gain by even just using AI for internal knowledge ma management. And, you know, for example, uh, we started using a platform that helps us generate through AI, you know, internal training videos that allow us to, now we have like an internal repository of those videos and it's allowed us to really have knowledge sharing be a little bit more accessible mm. and to lean on the team members who would have had to sit there and train everybody one-on-one. -on -one. It, it kind of democratizes that, especially considering we're at a stage where we're growing. And when you are growing and you're bringing more people on board, right? How do you how do you get more productive by using the tools at your disposal? And so I actually think the biggest use case for AI 
is productivity for marketers, but productivity for teams. And I think there is multiple quadrants, right, that are a part of that are a part of the overall value proposition. There's the content generation piece, data analysis, knowledge sharing. And I think there are multiple quadrants that you can find yourself in depending on how you're comfortable using these tools. But I mean, it's as simple as, you know, I didn't have time to plan a trip for my family and I'm using AI to give me my, my uh, you know, my weekend plans. And, and I think from a productivity perspective, what would take you a long time to do can be cut down. But I think the most important piece to keep in mind is that the decision-making, however productive you are, the decision-making still needs to be human, right? And so improving productivity is one piece. Making your marketing campaign delivery and execution more efficient is another. But then making sure everything you're going through has a, like you're going through it for accuracy, you're going through it for perspective, right? Because especially when you're looking at if you use, for example, SEO as a primary channel to generate volume and you're in home services, right? If you use ChatGPT or any other tool to auto produce a ton of content, and now you've gone from producing four SEO articles and keyword optimized articles to, you know, 30, right? You have maximized, but each one of those look like an article that your competitor is putting out in the world, right? Because you took what you got from AI and you posted it. That's also keeping in mind that Google's algorithm is not going, is going to recognize, not that you used AI because Google is releasing AI tools. They're all on board, right? But you, it's always been about engagement with their algorithm, right? How long somebody stays on page, how valuable the content is to them. So just keeping in mind, you can maximize productivity, you can maximize the number of things you do, but POV perspective and human decision-making should always be the thing that differentiates you. And then beyond that, it's as a brand, what you stand for, that strategic narrative still needs to carry through how productive you are and how, how much you can produce. I love it. You're the final decision maker in that. And I think that's where, that's where I think some people right now are feeling like they're either on a, I don't want anything to do with AI or I want everything to do because I think it's going to do my work, but I, it gets back to what you're saying. Ultimately, you're still responsible. You're still going to put your name on there, your company name, and it, and it, and you really have to review everything. So let's talk about a little bit about something that I don't always get to with uh, many uh, marketers, which is, you know, in marketing, uh, you've been in marketing for over a decade and and you've worked with different companies, but mostly B2B, as you shared with us. You know, one thing I tell small business owners, especially, is that, look, in marketing, not everything is going to be successful, right? Obviously, mm-hmm. there's a lot of testing, even though it's data driven, there's still a lot of testing and you don't control the algorithm or people's behavior yeah. at any given time. So you can know as much about an audience and you could have the best offer and everything right in a campaign still do eh, okay, yeah. right? So talk to us about in your career, Talar, in your career, and it might've been recently, could have been a Finexa. What's one or two campaigns that you can remember building, seeing it through and then going, wow, that really worked well. Is there, is there one that stands out for you? Yeah. So I think, I think kind of thinking about Finexa and also being newer here, right? Because newer in the sense that I've been in the role for a few months. And oftentimes when you're in a new role, you're thinking, what are my quick quick wins? 
wins, right? When I walk in, what are my quick wins? And then what are the things that I need to work on simultaneously that provide long-term value? Because you can't have one or the other, right? And many business owners also don't sometimes have the liberty to plan long-term, right? It's I need to deploy, (laughs) I need to deploy, figure out what works and keep moving, right? And so a lot of friends who have started small businesses, similar place. And and so how I kind of look at it as, how can you try enough things for in, enough time that you get data back in early signals that tell you that something is more likely to work? Because the things that are long-term require consistency. The things that are short-term, you see a result on more immediately. So one of the campaigns that we launched were really a guide for affiliate networks on how to onboard and effectively manage publisher and affiliate relationships. In the past, I I would say that we were running really product focused campaigns, right? It was how do you do click tracking and distribute or uh, call tracking and distribution, right? How do you track your clicks? Very functional feature specific guides. And we pivoted a little bit mainly because our customer feedback was, hey, I really need intros to other publishers. Hey, I really need to you know, uh, be able to figure out like how I scale, you know, how I grow. And I'm stuck in a place where I'm like kind of growing, but I don't know how to onboard more publishers and more brands and maintain all of those relationships, especially when I'm a slim team. So those insights and those customer calls resulted in a guide that we then put a distribution plan together that involved paid It involved um, SEO, which we're now seeing the gains of a few months later, right? And then also a thought leaders who were responsible for helping us share that content as influencers. And so we created three or four paths of distribution on this single guide. Mm-hmm. And then we built a relationship with a, with a publisher of our own that caters to affiliate marketers. And we created all these distribution channels. And then we looked at all the data and said, well, what is working here, right? On this one specific campaign. And it was probably one of our most downloaded lead magnets. And the reason for that is two things, I think. There is, who's your ICP? Mm -hmm. And any campaign you're doing, how am I bringing value? Not what does my product do? That's not the question to ask. It's how am I bringing value? What's their problem and how am I solving it? And then the second piece is, is this really being distributed effectively? And when I think about distribution, it's, am I getting people to vouch for it? So do I have thought leaders surrounding this piece? Do I have enough channels and am I giving it enough time to see what is actually working for us and where, where my users are at, right? And those are the things that I thought really led to a successful sort of mini campaign that we recently did and that we're going to duplicate and try again and with all the other topics we're being asked about. But it comes down to, I think, customer discovery. If you know what the pain points are and you truly, truly understand how you can solve them, it's don't tell them what you do, tell them how you can help them and then walk that back into enough things to test that and enough channels where you can really get feedback on where they're hanging out and where they're more likely to engage. I love it. You said it so well. I mean, really, because I I think all of us want to sell our product, right? All we want to advertise, we want to promote. But what you're talking about is, is, is really solving that pain point and giving the customers what they want, but by talking to them, not, not guessing, because a lot of people Mm -hmm. just want to guess. They say, well, I think I'm going to write lead magnets or articles or guides 
based on what I think is is good, but not talking to the client. And and really doesn't, I don't know how many clients you spoke to, but I typically tell businesses like, you really only need a small sample of your entire yeah. client, you know, 20, 30, 50, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't have to be thousands, right? And you put this little survey together. Uh, uh, phone calls are better, obviously, business development mm-hmm. people talking. And then you come back to the drawing table and do what you guys did. And I, I'm sure your clients are way happier. And I think it, it it becomes a little bit like HubSpot. You mentioned HubSpot earlier. And, yeah. and I know you have some certifications there. They're a perfect example of a SaaS platform that every, not just marketers, but even small business owners know that when they're looking for a, a guide or an SEO, you know, a case study or whatever it is, you can count on HubSpot. They're going to allow you to download it in exchange yeah. for your email. That's cool. And go into their workflow sequence. But it's always valuable and it's never just, you know, an afterthought. Sometimes it's long, three, four, five thousand words. Yeah. Yeah. You get lost in it. But but it's very, very valuable, like what you said. Yeah. And I mean, this guide included cheat sheets. We had templates for people not dissimilar to what you might have found in HubSpot's you know, template library. But I I don't know how many times I've converted on like HubSpot templates to use. Me too optimize them and <laughs> and you know and and their whole strategy like they coined inbound marketing That's right, right. Um, and so and for them you know being able to bring the customer to you based on your brand and based on your content and the value you're providing like that's their whole methodology right it's like how do you sort of create demand for your business as opposed to just thinking about it it as lead generation, um, it's it's demand creation, right? How how do you create demand for your services? Yeah, and I, and I think of it like this. I was with a friend recently, a few weeks ago. We went to Universal Studios with the kids, oh, yeah. and as we were in there, I you know as a marketer, I start looking at everything like marketing, <laughs> and I said, "Gosh, you know." So you asked me how my business works because a lot of people will say, well, "Legion, I don't know how that works." So it works like this, but put this in the virtual world. I'm here at Universal. Everyone came here for the same reason. They want to go on the big rides. Okay, yeah. cool. That's my product and service. So if you go on my website, I sell, you know, lead generation. Mm-hmm. However, the content, because he's like, why do you, you guys do all these podcasts and webinars and courses and books? I said, right. So I have to wow my my customers and my prospects with content and create a library, much like you see here at Universal. You see they've got a food stand, they've got merchandise, they've got maps. Those are all the, it's the content that supports the entire product, right? And he says, oh, I totally get it. And I said, well, that's marketing in general, right? You can't just have one thing. You have to have everything. Even if you go to a burger joint, right? It, they may just sell, let's say burgers, but it's the atmosphere, it's the music, it's the customer service, the payment, is it touchless? There are so many points throughout that journey where you you really need to make people feel like it's a unique experience. And I think that's what what most businesses struggle with. Yeah, I completely agree. And sometimes it's also, it's also like overthought. I don't know if that's the right word, but where you, yes, you overthink. Yeah, overthinking. Um, Yeah. Also the quantity, right? Where, you know, I was just talking to my team last week about, okay, we do these webinars, right? We we just started doing these really cool uh, webinars with partners. And it's, so what happens with the content after you do the webinar, right? Mm. You post, you post the content. And, and then it's like either gated, right, or ungated on your right. YouTube channel or wherever else. And I was like, that piece of content had like 
five different sections and it had 10 questions from the audience. And are you following that, right? And what I mean by following that is how, how are you redistributing also the things that have a longer lifespan? Sometimes right. we assume I need to produce a hundred things and I need to do it right now. And sometimes it's like, no, maybe I just need to make this digestible on a, ch on a different channel, right? Sometimes to, I need to take this longer piece, cut it down into five pieces, make three blog posts out of it, and then reuse that to create my brand voice on my personal LinkedIn page. And then, you know, create mini distribution efforts across that one major piece. And so I think I, I like to look at content as content moments, right? And those content moments and those content themes create an abundance of mini pieces that are channel specific that then get created out of that moment or out of that long form piece. So you're also not overcomplicating the process of all those touch points. It's like those touch points could very well be you see a teaser on LinkedIn and then you get somebody to, you know, see the want to get invested in the longer video. Mm -hmm. And while you're getting paid ads and retargeting to push them into your demo, right? So think of it as a more cyclical content creation process as opposed to linear. Like I just absolutely, need to yeah, it's connected. Like like uh, you know any show that you would watch on uh, you know a streaming platform, it, it, there, yeah. there has to be some 100%. sort of a sequence with the characters, right? Yeah, hundred percent. All right, so now as we're getting close to the end here, Talar, tell us about Finexa. I mean, I know the tracking, distribution, lead management. But what's like the one thing you guys do better than anybody else in the industry? Yeah, so Finexa is a performance marketing software solution. So we support affiliate marketers and performance marketers really close the loop between leads, calls, clicks, and their revenue. So we're the thing that we do best is actually that we we have eight products in one, and there is really no other platform out there for affiliate marketers and publishers, as well as any advertisers that are that have affiliate programs that really have the robust capabilities in terms of the product suite that, mm -hmm. that we offer up front. So not only do you do, can you do call tracking and distribution, but you can do lead tracking and distribution as well as traffic-based tracking across all your offers. So it really allows a publisher it doesn't, uh, a publisher or an advertiser, it doesn't matter how you're working with other entities and even performance marketing agencies, you can track um, essentially any kind of customer interaction in our platform and be able to have closed loop reporting on that interaction, especially when there are multiple entities involved, right? And actually nurturing and servicing that lead or that call uh, at the end of the day. So what we do best is actually giving you the robust capabilities, being able not just to do call tracking in a silo or lead tracking and distribution in a silo. It's giving you the full suite so you can handle everything from every customer interaction while also doing the payouts for those publishers actually. So you can handle payments in our platform and really be able to sort of manage all, all of your affiliate marketing program in, inside of one tool. Yeah, I love that. And that that was one of the things that stood out to me was the billing aspect of it because yeah. when you start to scale, you know, for you know, really over a decade, we struggled with these different lead gen platforms where e even if they had that feature, it wasn't that good. It didn't connect to third-party APIs and it just 
it's fragmented, right? So you need to have accounting log into here and, and then download a spreadsheet from here and somewhere in between there are things falling through. So having it in one place, I think it's uh, for, for any publisher or advertiser makes it uh, that much more compelling. Yeah, especially because oftentimes, you know, you're working with a lot of different entities, right? And the relationships with them are different. Sometimes you're paying by CPCs, sometimes you're paying by, you know, uh, cost per lead, right? And so the relationships are all sometimes very diverse. And um, being able to tie that back into the solution that you're using for actually tracking those efforts, I think just allows for a system where, you know, you can really streamline uh, even the payment process. And, you know, uh, Finexa just recently also can handle international payments now for publishers. We had kind of customer feedback around, well, I have publishers here, here, and here. Now we're really able to help you pay whoever you're working with in whatever the contract type uh, looks like. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. Usually it's like, I'm, I, I want to use Remitly or I want to use Wise or it's all over the place, PayPal, you know, Stripe. Okay. But having it in one place is amazing. So, so tell us about, you know, in terms of the industry, I was going to talk about compliance, but I don't want to talk about compliance because <laughs> that's a horrible way for us to end today's podcast. Cause you know, it's a, it's doom and gloom. What, what happens is on both ends, both ends, the, the law firms that are going against the lead generators and the law firms that are representing the lead generators, it's doom and gloom. Cause that's what they have to do. And I get it. And some of it is valid, but Every time I get into conversation of TCPA and regulation, it just it it's like a it it's a wet blanket. So let's not do that. So yeah. let let let's end today's podcast with you giving our listeners some piece of advice. Maybe it's a tip for something that you guys are doing. I mean, you've shared so much already between AI and all of that. But is there something that you want to leave us with today? It doesn't have to be marketing, but something that will inspire our listeners, marketers, business owners to to just keep on. Keep on trying because I, I know it's hard as a marketer. Like I said, you don't always get those wins and, and it can be frustrating. There's not enough time in a day to build content. So leave us with something positive, Talar. Yeah. And I'd say I've had, you know, throughout the course of my career, there have been things that have been knocked out of the park and things that just didn't work. Right. And I think we were even talking about this before we hopped on. You know, it's <laughs> like you don't you don't know what's going to work for your business and the thing working for your competitor or the next guy might not be your strategy, right? And so the, the, best, uh, the best advice I can share is make sure you know your customer, right? The end user, uh, make sure you know what is bothering them, what, you know, what they really need and what, with what urgency they need the service that you're offering and really understand them. Take the time. Um, even though we, we have so many things to do as marketers, sometimes we forget to talk to the very people who pay our bills, right? So take the time, talk to them, but then also I think make sure that you have visibility, right? Mm -hmm. And what I mean by visibility is you have a higher likelihood of doing what's right if you're paying attention to the data, right? Mm. I'm paying attention to what is really working for your business. And I don't mean just attribution generally. I mean, pay attention to the early signals and pay attention to the response and use that data to help guide what you're going to do next, right? Talk to your customers and then arm yourself with data and keep being remaining consistent with using those as your North Stars. And you'll eventually 
start seeing that path forward. I think sometimes we can be really tactical. Sometimes we can really be task driven, but arm yourself with both of those things. And at some point you're going to wake up and realize that some of the things you tried are working and that they work for your business. And it's different from the person that you're talking to the next guy, you know? And so keep in mind that your program is your own and those two things will, will get you there. Well, you you really summarized it well. I think for me, that's a, a good motivational card to live by because look, all the things that you just said, I know most of our marketers who are experienced know, but we're not always doing it. And so to have a reminder like yours, so people say, well, you've been in marketing for 15 years. I said, believe me, I still make the, some of the mistakes that I made 10, 15 years ago. Not Not critical ones, but the things that everything that you just talked about so important to have it up front and center with your entire team and do it day in, day out. Never take a day off. And I, I agree with you. If you do all those things, and the, the consistency to me is like double underline that word right there. Yeah. Consistency yeah. is is it'll get you there. So for our listeners who want to connect with you or get to know Finexa, how do they do that? Yeah. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. I tend to be pretty active and responsive on LinkedIn. So you can always connect with me there and give Finexa a follow while you're at it. We have a new uh, Amplify uh, community and our Amplify community is really just to send affiliate marketers and lead generators um, new fresh content um, that is happening in the you know, in the industry monthly, at the very least, we're trying to ramp that up a little bit. And then also having webinars with really incredible thought leaders. So in about two weeks, we have a webinar that's getting released with Google Cloud. And it's really for marketers to figure out if they are Google Cloud users, are they really using Google Cloud to their full potential? And especially, you know, given that there's so many tools available that you can kind of use implement to unlock customer insights that you didn't really realize when I first connected with Google Cloud, I didn't realize how much the disconnected Google products I was using. Like I saw search as a single channel. Yeah. I saw Google ads as another channel. I didn't realize that with the Google Cloud suite, a lot of that data can be consolidated and you can unlock so much more if you if you really think of those that ecosystem as interconnected. So if you're running Google ads or have SEO as a top channel or any other Google products, YouTube, whatever else, I'd recommend you join that one to really sort of see what Google is thinking with the deprecation of the cookie, but then also how you can maximize the use of their ecosystem at large and join our Amplify community. You will be, you'll just be getting cool content in your inbox and we won't spam you. So that'll be good. <laughs> awesome. Well, You've got a taker here. So after the podcast, I'm going to get that link for the uh, for the, the webinar with Google Cloud, because I agree with you. I mean, there are so many tools out there. I did one recently with uh, uh, Microsoft Azure Cloud, oh, and, cool. and they're doing sort of the same thing, trying to pull everything in. But to your point, those these big tech companies, they have so many products that it makes it really hard for any marketer or business owner to, to really pull everything in. So I'll definitely be at that one. And our Hi. audience will too. Talar, thank you so much for being on the Lead Gen HQ podcast today. Thank you, Alex. Before I go, one final question. What was your favorite ride at Universal Studios? Oh, it was the Harry Potter, the, the one that's like a motorcycle. I forget something hybrid or I, I'm not a big Harry Potter. My kids are, but uh, you know, that ride was like, blew me away. There was one point where the motorcycle went up with it and then it came back and then you're sitting in the dark 
and then it just drops you and you're like, what? So yeah. That's um, awesome. That might be a Florida specific one, right? I ha I might have to leave LA to experience that one. That sounds awesome. <laughs> all right. Thanks again, Talar. Thanks.